Let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to wrap up our time in 2 Peter today. So again, 2 Peter chapter 1, we're going to be looking, looking at verse 3. And it says this, that His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire for this very reason make every effort to supplement your faith with these things, right? And we began with this, with, with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with, and we're going to put these two together, with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours, here's the great promise, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, again, meaning that they're active, that they will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today it seems fitting to to wrap this up talking about love, talking about those last two characteristics, brotherly love and love. You know, I, I love the end of that video. It says, you know, thank you for coming, Jesus. Whoa, I can't seem to function today. Um, tripping over cords, dumping coffee. Thank you for coming. <laughs> and, and why did he come when it really boils down to it is that, what, God so loved what the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life he came because he loves us and one of the biggest things that that we talk about during christmas time is we talk about hope and, and we talk about peace but but today i want to talk about love and brotherly love and love, brotherly love calls out an aspect of love, but we're going to look at just love in general this morning. And I want to begin, and, and we're not going to have this up on the screen, I want to encourage you to, to turn your Bibles, to, to use your apps. But we're going to look at 1 Corinthians. It's, you always have to start there, I think, many times when we talk about love. 1 Corinthians 13. I want to try to come up a little closer to y'all. I'm just going to ask someone to read that for me. Uh, well, not sure where it begins. The end of it where it uh, gives the description of love. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Okay. So you got it.
And then read the, I think it's the next section right after that, which is the greatest. Now abides faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. And we keep coming back to this, and we always need to come back to this because everything flows from it. You know, one of the things we learn about God, His greatest characteristic, if you will, the jewel in His crown, and I've shared this many times, is love. I think one of the, the most Biggest, the biggest aspect of our journey in the Christian life is, is learning what that really means, how to love. And to look at Him and how He loved us, to learn how to love well. We look at these, these last two characteristics. It talks about brotherly love, and then it talks about love in general. I want to look at another passage before we kind of dig into that even more. And in John chapter 13, let's look at that, John 13, 34 through 35. Let's, let's turn there together. Jesus is speaking here. We're going to look at, at that. Let's see. I have to have it in front of me. Give you guys a moment to get there. David will have that on the screen as well, so I appreciate that. I still love y'all to turn there. So John 13, 34 through 5, Jesus is, is speaking. I'm going to back up and read a little bit behind that in, my, in Scripture here in my Bible. It says, when Jesus had gone out, he said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while, a little, little while I am with you, you will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. And he says this, a new commandment I give to you. And uh, if, if you were to just stop there and hear those words, a new commandment that I give to you, you'd be wondering, okay, well, this is, what's, let's hear what this is. It's be something new and grand and spectacular when we hear the word new in our minds, you know, we think of something we've never heard of before. But this is what Jesus says, a, a new commandment I give to you. And here it is, trumpets, drums, to what? To love one another. You're like, what's your thought? That's not new heard that before, to love one another. This is, this is, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you, so also are you to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's interesting that he had to Describe it that way. This is a new commandment. And it's almost, it's new in the sense that, you know what? Yeah, you've heard this before. We, we've talked about love a lot. But it really, you know what? You're not getting it. It has to be pointed out to Jesus to say, 
This is a new commandment. You need to treat this like this is brand new, like you've never heard it before, because you're not understanding what it really means to love one another. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. And he says this, this really helps to clarify it, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Jesus, because he's Jesus, could literally point to himself and say, look at what I've been doing. Look at the way as you've walked with me, disciples, as you've seen me, look at the way that I've loved people, and I want you to love people the same way. I want to give, let's, let's take a moment for you to be interactive here and think about this. What ways did Jesus show love? Give me some stories. Think through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and think about different ways that Jesus showed love. Sorry? Well, he was with them, yeah. That's, that's a key starting point, right? And we talked about Emmanuel, God with us, you know, that aspect, you know, last week, but God came down, you know. Again, he's not a, a God who just kind of wound up the earth like a clock and, and just disappeared. He came among us. That's really the, the essence of Christmas, right? God with us, the hope of glory, okay? So he, he lived among them. Well, that's that's an interesting thought. How does how does that show love? Can you love can you love people at a distance? I think we try. I think we try that a lot. We think that and and, and I'm stepping on any toes but my own here too, okay? But Facebook you know, we can, it's really easy. I'm going to show that I love you by clicking like. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go the next level. I'm going to use the heart. You know, love, love, love this post. Is that loving somebody? It doesn't hurt. But that's loving from a distance, isn't it? What does love look like? And I think, I think there can be a lot of confusion about what love looks like. You can't really, you can be nice from a distance. You can say loving things from a distance. But, but love is something that's close up and personal. Because real love gets, it gets messy. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus showed that from the very beginning. He was born in a stable. I thought that was funny what the kid said. He probably did a poop and this and why is it smelling here? It's personal. It's up close. You know, there's a, uh, there's a book I've been reading lately by Francis Chan. And, and what's, well, he shares this story that's interesting. There was a, a gang member who, um, in California who accepted Christ left the gang out of fear of, of death, really. Um, you know, if you get into a gang, you know, you don't get out of it easily. But he left the gang and, and that lifestyle, accepted Christ, and became a part of, of the church there. It's really exciting, you know, to see that change and that transformation take place in someone's life. And what took place was he got involved in the church, but after a while he, 
he kind of faded and just decided that he wasn't going to come to church anymore. And like pastors do, they will annoyingly come and hunt you down, okay? You've noticed that from me. Where you been? What's up? What's going on? And I don't know the guy's name. We're just going to call him George, which really doesn't seem like a gang member's name. But George, what's up? How come you haven't been to church? And when it all boiled down, what, it, what, what George thought was going to happen when he got baptized and when he became a part of the church was that when he got baptized, it was like he was getting jumped into a gang. Okay? And that, that gang, though the gang is not the greatest example as far as their activities, there's something about a gang that a gang is with a member 24-7. They always have each other's back, don't they? Anything happens, they're right there. And because a gang, in, in, in a twisted kind of way, I know, is like a family. They may not be blood brothers and sisters, but they consider each other blood brothers and sisters. And so he expected that the church would be the same way and, and even closer because this is a this is a spiritual thing. This is a connection with the God of the universe. If anybody knows how to love and to love well and to show what love looks like, it should be the church, shouldn't it? So Jesus has to point out, you know, this is really kind of a new commandment that I'm giving you. I want you to, to love each other and, and not the Facebook kind of way. It's not a love from a distance. It's a love up close, love the way that I love. And so he showed up. What else? What other stories? What can we point to? How did Jesus love people? And I will stand here as quiet as it is. I don't care. Give me something. He associated with the Samaritans, with, with people that the, the rest of the Jews considered half-breeds, if you will, and that they didn't do worship right. Because they, they didn't participate in the temple. Of course, they probably wouldn't have been welcome if they had come to the temple. Okay, There's a lot of story and background there. And so, yeah, he associated with the Samaritans, and he actually even lifted up a Samaritan in an example because he was the, one, the only one that stopped to help someone that was hurting on the side of a road, where we get the story of the Good Samaritan. And the Levite goes on, passes by, the priest passes by, but the Samaritan is the one that, that stops. So yeah, Jesus went right through Samaria where others, the typical Jews, would go and drive around, if you will, and drive. They would take a long walk around where really the simplest, straightforward way would be to go right through. And Jesus went there. He hung out with them for days. So with, with people, Jesus hung out with people that Nobody else would. Give me another one. He forgave. Who did he forgive? Adulterous woman. Everybody had circled around, ready to take the life of this woman to show her, right? Because what? This is what you, it's what you deserve, man. You, it's input in, here's your output. You sin, you die. You do this particular sin, you die. And these, these guys get to circle around you and throw heavy rocks until you're dead. And they shoved her forward in front of Jesus. What do you, what do you say about this? 
really, truly testing what would Jesus do. So he, he showed love in that way. Great, great example. What else? That's an interesting perspective because love, you know, it's, it's a very holistic thing. Yeah, it's not. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, in, in, in love, that doesn't, love, is, love protects, right? And so we have to understand all of that. But Jesus points to himself and says, love people the way that I do. And we really needed that to be called out. Love This is a new commandment. You need to really see this in a way that you've never seen it before. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And this is really key because he says also, by this, all people, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You can rush through that. And, and Jesus is, and I've, I think I've rushed through this before and I've assumed, I think, what he meant. When you slow down and you look at it, what he's talking about here is the love that you have for one another within inside the church. Now, there's plenty of examples where we're talking about loving the world and everybody around, but in this particular case, I believe he's talking about the way that we love each other. And when the world looks at Christians, when they look at churches, what they should see is literally a supernatural thing. People truly loving each other to the extent that they, they want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of a group like that. You see how they care for one another? You see how they're there for each other? And, and, I, and I don't think that, that there are a lot of churches that are really good at that. And if they are good, there's probably still a whole lot of room for growth. And I think that gang member, that's what he was expecting. I get a part of this group, they're going to be there for me. They're going to have my back. They're going to they're love me. They're going to they're watch over me. And, and I just not, am not sure we know how to do that. And that's why Jesus says this is a new commandment. When you think about the way that we, we're, I think we're, we're closer than a lot of churches, I, I, w- I would assume. I don't know. I haven't really, in the last five years, been to many other churches, okay? But... Just to be honest, obviously, because I kind of have a gig, you know, got something else going on with y'all on Sundays. But, you know, if you love one another in that way, some things have to happen. First of all, again, it's not like the Facebook thing. It's not at a distance. It's up close. There's a, a level of transparency that people that love one another feel safe sharing with each other, Right? They share stories with each other that they may not tell strangers, right? You know, the way we would say it, I don't just share all my business with, 
but you share all your business with those you're closest to. How close are we? How much do we truly love each other? And see, that's got to be a goal. That's a, that's a pretty big deal. And Jesus says, or, or, well, he's responsible for all this, but in Second Peter, these qualities, we were talking about brotherly love and love. If you have these things, right, they will cause you to be effective. They will not, you won't be ineffective. You will be effective. You will be growing. You will be understanding what it means to be the believers he's called us to be. But this, and he always ends, it's interesting how love kind of sums things up. If we're missing what it means to, to love each other with brotherly love, with, with love in all its fullness, you know, we're missing a lot of effectiveness as a church. We're missing a lot of opportunities to grow and to be the people God's caused us to be. We can do these other things well, but if you miss this, really missing out cannot grow, you cannot be effective unless you truly know how to love one another. We see this through Scripture challenged over and over, especially in the New Testament, how well do you love? We have to continue to look at Jesus and see how he loved. You know, the passage that you read, Jeff, too, in, in Corinthians where it describes love says that you can do all kinds of great things. You remember that part? You know, I could give, literally give my life away and give my body to be burned. I could do all these kinds of things. I could raise the dead, I think it says, a bunch of different stuff. But if I have not love, it's just a noisy gong. All your righteous acts are worthless without love. It's a pretty strong statement. So th- thinking about those stories is a key theme here, I think. Let's, let's, I want you to wrestle with this. I, w- I want you to realize, too, as we go through, we, we're going to have a challenging year ahead. I'm going to challenge you to do some things you, you may not have done before. But you have to wrestle with Scripture. When you come to church, it shouldn't always be just this, ah, a church isn't necessarily meant to just be uplifting. It should be encouraging and uplifting, but you should struggle. Jesus made people uncomfortable. And it's and the reason for that is, is because when you look at Jesus, it should be up higher, right? And I look at where I am, and trying to love like him. I f- there are many times I feel sick to my stomach thinking, I just don't get it. Lord, where is my heart? Why do I say the things I do? Why do I think the things I do? And there should be a wrestling. There should be an uncomfortableness sometimes when we look at Scripture and we think, man, you know, what's, what's the deal? And that's where we have to continually go to God in prayer. And we have to continually learn how to rely upon the power of the Holy Spirit to love well. We need that brotherly love. We need that general love. So that's John 13, 34 through 5. The world will know. That's so key. We'll know who we are by that supernatural love. It shouldn't be just an average love. It should be supernatural. Keep that in mind. 
and wrestle with that. Let's look at another passage. We're going to look at First um, Peter chapter 4. So let me get you to turn there to begin with. Not Second Peter, but First Peter chapter 4. We're going to begin at verse 8. Actually, let's back up and begin at 7. We're going to look at 7 through 11, just like the convenience store. Sorry. Diane and I have had very little sleep last night with Rachel's wedding, so if I say something silly, more than usual, granted, then you know why. So, 1 Peter 4, 7 to 11, he's speaking, he says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, this is key, right? Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Above all of it, since love covers a multitude of sins. And then he breaks it down. And, and, and points to Jesus in a way and says, here's an example. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. See, that's a, that's a great example, right? Uh, you can do great things, Jesus says, or we look at 1 Corinthians, but if you, haven't, if you don't have love, you're missing it, Right? It's your clanging gong. So if you do great things, but you grumble about it, deliver these presents to everybody. You know, family function, right? Probably have had that even within your own family. You got to go over to Aunt So and So's house, and you know, got to bring these presents and gifts. So this is expected of me. And maybe you know, you're doing the right things, but you're grumbling about it. No one's ever done that, right? Walked through the motions of righteousness and the heart wasn't there. Said the right things because that's what you're supposed to do, but that's not really what you wanted to say, you know. See, that's the, that's the stinking problem with this, you know. It's not about outward actions. It always comes back to the heart. That's really where you are because you're not being judged by those other people that bought your fake line of righteousness. You're being judged by the one who sees everything and knows everything and knows every thought and intention of the heart. Aye, aye, aye. So he says this, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And then it says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Use the talents, the gifts God has given you to do what? To serve one another. As you consider the American church, who serves in the church, typically? Let's back up. What percentage of people would you say in the American church serve? I don't have the statistic, um, but I've read stuff in books. It's low. What should be the number? Yeah, yeah. 
But what happens, and, and we're going to wrestle with this, I think, this coming year, is, you know, there's a lot of people, and I'm not pointing fingers at y'all. Our church is so small, almost, I mean, everybody is serving. We're probably really close to 100%, if, you know, in different ways, okay, because we have to be, which is kind of a great thing, honestly. Everybody needs to be a part. But in a lot of American churches, and I'm not saying we're there, don't get me wrong, we, we, we have a long way to go, I believe. But a lot of churches, it's sit and just take. We, we, we just sit down and we absorb, right? And then if we don't like what we're receiving, if the message isn't good enough, the coffee's not good enough, the children's ministry's not good enough, you know, if that, whatever, we have this consumer mentality. I'll just find another church to go to that has better coffee and better preaching, a better children's ministry, you know, a better whatever it is that we want to receive, right? It's what we need is the perspective in America. It's very consumeristic. I'm not getting it here, and that's why you see a lot of people that are church hopping, you know? tried out this for a while. I'm kind of done with that. You know, let's go over here. And you see a rat race from a pastor's perspective of many churches that are, you know, well, gosh, if we don't have better music and throw in some fog and lights, they might leave. If they're not excited anymore, they get bored with us, they're going to move on. How do we keep them coming, you know? How do we, we need to bring out pizza now? We need, to, we need to do this. We need to do that. And it becomes this ridiculous race of trying to entertain. Where Jesus would say difficult things, challenge people, and then he would just walk away. There's one point where he gave this, this saying. It's in John chapter 6. I've always caught my attention. John 6 verse 66. It says at that point, a majority of his disciples no longer followed him anymore. And Jesus at that point sits down and talks with Peter and the rest. He's like, are you guys going to leave too? But Peter says, no. So where else are we going to go? For you alone have the words of life. I think when it comes to our lives, we have to really sit down and be willing to say, are we willing to truly be challenged to, to wrestle with the things of God, to truly experience the Lord, to truly know and engage in what it means to have brotherly love and affection for one another? Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's various, varied grace. He gave you gifts for a reason. The church is all supposed to be interactive, right? Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Don't waste your words, right? Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Let's look at John 15, 13. I'm going to move a little bit faster. I know we're approaching that time. 
John 15, 13. My fingers aren't flipping fast enough. The reason I'm flipping here, too, is even though it's on the screen, context is important. So John 15, 13, is everybody there? I'm going to back up in verse 12, says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. There it is again, repeated. And then he says in verse 13, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And then what does Jesus do? Lay down his life. Look to the example of Jesus. And it's interesting because there's another passage we read a couple of weeks ago where, you know, I think, I don't know if we're trying to remember the context of what the church was going through, but Paul says, well, you haven't even gotten to the point of shedding your blood for one another. And we may not have to, you know, had to go to that point. But Jesus says, you know, there is no greater example in actually literally giving your, giving your life. What kind of love do we show? That's a long, that's, that's a completely different perspective, for example, and I'm just I'm abusing this, this, this Facebook thing, but clicking like, you know? That's not love. Love, says Jesus, the ultimate example is literally giving your life. If we were to even go half that way or, or a quarter of that way, our lives still have to be different, don't they? They have to be closer. I want you to wrestle with this week, what does that mean for me? As a church over this year, what I'd like for us to explore is how do we, how do we love one another outside of just Sunday morning? Jesus didn't call the church to have a 90-minute service every week and say, you're good. Is that what he wanted? What are we doing through the week? I often wonder and I wrestle with this as your pastor. What are we doing to stay connected? What are we doing to truly show that we love each other? And I know we're all busy, but you know what? That is never going to end until you're dead. Is it? That cannot get in the way of us loving one another. It just can't. And it and it even gets in the way of your own flesh and blood family, doesn't it? We put all kinds of things in the way. And when it comes to the end, I've been reading some leadership stuff lately. When it comes to the end of your life, there's a lot of people that would look back and say, what would you have done differently? When you're on your deathbed and you know that time is coming, when you look back, what would you probably say that I would do differently? You can even, thankfully we're not, Okay. But right now, if you, if you knew your life was ending tomorrow and you look back and you say, what would you do differently? Think about that. What would you do? Is the path that you're on right now, do you feel good about it? That God is happy with it? You're happy with it? Of course, you're happy with it compared to what God's happy with. They're two different things, levels of importance. But 
where, what direction are you on and what changes need to be made? We're coming up to a whole new year again, right? And you're just like, holy crow, it's January again? Where do you want to go? And too many times we just mindlessly go through life. We don't even consider that. We don't think about that until something comes up in our life that causes us to stop and to pause and to think. Jesus could care less about, you know, getting the sales, the next big sale, or reaching a certain level of sales at work, or, you know, this, that, and the other. And those things are important while we're here, but really it's just like moving chairs around on the Titanic. It doesn't really matter. Can we begin this year to focus more on what it really means to love each other, to accomplish things that are lasting, right? And it's interesting, when it comes to every other aspect of life, we want to buy a car that will last, right? We want to get clothes that will last. We want to get stuff that, that doesn't wear out quick. We don't like cheap things unless we're stuck getting them because we want something, at least I do anyway, that's going to that's gonna make it. You know, this thing is sturdy. This thing is tough. This is, you know, I'm starting to sound like a Ford or a Chevy commercial for a truck or something. You know, this, is, this can carry the load. This can, and yet when it comes to our lives, we end up wasting our time with stuff that doesn't last. It's like junk food living. I want to challenge us as a church to love well this year. I want to challenge us as a church to to dig into Scripture like never before, to learn how to serve like never before, to grow. Greater love has no one than this, that, that you would lay down your life for your brother. We're going to flip through these verses real quick, and I'll be done. I just want you to see these, be reminded. First John 4, 7. Flip there quickly, somebody read it. Unless we can throw that on the screen faster than... 1 John 4, 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Consider those words. Read that again one more time, a little slower. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. It's a descriptor who you belong to, isn't it? If you're loving well. Let's go to Ephesians 4.2 real quick. Ephesians 4.2. Bearing with one another in love. Mm-hmm. Romans 13. Eight. This is a this is a good one. I love this. Let's throw that one on the screen so we can look at it with our eyeballs together. Romans thirteen eight says this. Look up here. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. You know, as you as you go through Scripture, you begin to you got to realize how serious God takes this aspect. It all boils down to this. How well 
do we love? Owe no one anything except to love each other. I love this next one, Romans 12.10. Romans 12.10. It says this, it says, To love one another with brotherly affection. And then it says this, To outdo one another in showing honor. What does that mean? You know, we're, we're struggling to love to begin with, but to outdo each other? You know, it's like people are running to the door to open it for someone, okay? That's, that's why Jesus uses that story, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. If you try to humble yourself, what happens to the other guy? He's trying, you know, the whole thing kind of it cycles people in the right direction, doesn't it? Towards love and towards humility. Outdo one another in showing honor. Now let's wrap up with 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. 1 yeah. This is kind of the uh, scriptural version of put up or shut up, isn't it? <laughs> Let us not love in word or speech or talk but indeed, right? Live it. We can't just talk about it. We can't just say the right things. It's got to be real. But here's the thing. We, we fall into that trap a lot, okay? So here's what you have to do is we have to encourage one another. We have to hold each other accountable. If it's going to be real, then there, there has to be some some rubbing up against each other, some knocking of heads, if you will, and say, hey, how's this going? How's that going? You know? You know, if you, you know, if, uh, you know, husbands and wives, I would say, is a great place to start talking to each other. So how did it go today? Where did you fail, you know, when it came to loving each other? All right, let's, let's, let's pray about it. Let's try this differently, okay? Or, you know, I know you and you and Diane pray together regularly, you know, maybe asking each other, you know, hey, how'd you do with whatever? And maybe, you know, it's a there's a scenario that you fail all the time. Madonna and I joke about traffic, you know, but I really think that my it's a litmus test for where my heart is. You know? How how are you doing with that? Maybe we need some account not maybe, we do. Need some accountability. How did that go today? You know? We need to love the way that Jesus loves. Would you stand? Wrestle with this. Wrestle with this this week. Where, where is God pointing out to you? I, I believe that the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts. He's the one who points and says, you know, uh, there's this areas where I want you to start. You have really not been loving well in this area. I want you just, in general, to listen to whatever God tells you for that as we pray. Could be inside, outside the church, whatever that might be, and pray about that. And then I want you to consider our church, the aspect of 
of, of brotherly, sisterly affection the way we're loving each other. And consider, am, am I closed off? Am I open? Am I engaged? Am I disengaged? How do, we, how do I love my brothers and sisters better? What does that mean for me? What is God calling me to do? And pray about that and let God tell you that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are Emmanuel, that you came. Thank you for your presence with us. Thank you for not just declaring that you love us, Lord, but coming down and living it out and showing us. Thank you for the truth that your Holy Spirit is with us here today. Lord, we ask that you would strengthen us to love well, to love like you love. Lord, help us to to progress, help us to to grow in that. Lord, you gave us your Holy Spirit to, to challenge us, to strengthen us, to empower us to live that way. Lord, whatever the area is in general that we are just not great at in loving, show us what that is and strengthen us today and this week and in the weeks to come, Lord, to to live and to love well. Lord, when it comes to the, the church you've given us here, Lord, thank you so much for each other. Lord, teach us and show us how to better love one another. Lord, show us how to engage. Lord, show us how to get closer. Show us how to better care for and love one another. Lord, let us be an example to the world, Lord, that they might look at at this group here at real life and say, those those people really, they love each other in, in just this crazy, supernatural way. Lord, may that be said of us. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Go and love well today. Don't forget about Thursday, okay? Consider there might be someone God's telling you to bring. I don't know. but And be careful driving there. Bye-bye. It's beginning to look a lot like-